Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello, I'm Steph, and this is the Don't Buy Her Flowers podcast and the second episode of our Lost for Words series, talking about subjects that often leave people not sure what to do or say. I'm going to get straight into it. Uh, This episode, we're talking about baby loss, and there are a few things I just want to cover off first. If you're not in the right headspace to listen to a conversation about baby loss, skip this one and please take care of yourself. If you're looking and ready for help and support for baby loss, or even just to know what to say or do if it happens to someone you love, I hope we can help. My guests today are Caro, Al and Jen, aka The Other Mothers, the name of their podcast they started towards the end of last year. I listened to the whole of the first series, the second is coming out soon, and I found it really helpful to hear their stories firsthand um, of losing their, for each of them actually, it was their firstborn baby, all different experiences, and we talk about those initial weeks after loss, but also big themes for all of them about guilt loss of identity, the impact on friendships when everyone around you is having babies and also with their partners too. They all do lots of awareness and fundraising and Jen and I have actually worked together through Don't Buy Her Flowers and Teddy's Wish for a few years. Jen set up the charity Teddy's Wish with her husband Chris after the totally unexpected death of their baby boy Eddie when he was only three months old. Both Elle and Cara are patrons of Teddy's Wish and the charity raises money to fund potentially life-saving research into SIDS, which is formerly known as COP death, neonatal death and stillbirth, and to provide bereavement support for grieving families. Jen came to me at the start of 2020 about creating a care package for bereaved families who have recently lost a baby, and we've created a couple of packages, including one with Elle's book, Ask Me His Name in it. Uh, these are available to buy at Don't Buy Her Flowers, but if you're going through any loss to stillbirth from 24 weeks, uh, neonatal death or SIDS in the past six months, they would love to send you a package paid for by Teddy's Wish and Don't Buy Her Flowers gives a donation for each package too. Just email jennifer at teddyswish.org. I'll put all that information in the notes so you don't have to worry about it now. Um, I actually had a message the other day from someone who'd received a package from Teddy's Wish a while ago and she now uses the tag as a bookmark because it has the name of her baby on it. It's something that Jen is really deliberate about to include the baby's name and in this episode we talk about why that can be important for someone who's lost a child. I'd like to quickly thank Natural Mat for sponsoring this episode um, and series. They hand make organic beds and mattresses in Devon and I'll tell you more about them in a bit but you can get 15% off your first Natural Mat order with the code DBHF15. Okay, so on with the episode. We recorded this face-to-face, which was really lovely, as I've done most of the podcasts online. So it might sound a bit different to usual, but also if you've been in a room with four women talking quite passionately, well, you'll know it can get quite noisy and there'll be some overlap in the conversation. I was quite nervous to record this episode because I didn't want to get it wrong. Um, And listening back to it, there are a few things that made me kind of wince, but I think that's what these ladies are, in part, what they're doing. They're saying it's uncomfortable, but the more we do it, the less uncomfortable it will get. And we need that to happen because someone who has lost a baby is already potentially feeling very alone. So I started by asking them about their podcast, The Other Mothers. So how did the podcast get started? Jen, I'll let you tell <laughs> Who's going to claim it? Um, okay, so so I, I run a, a charity, Teddy's Wish, um, which was set up after we lost Eddie. And... Elle and Kara are amazing patrons um, and we we're very, very lucky to have them as patrons. And I had been speaking to Elle. Um, we had a really long chat, didn't we, about it? We were talking about... Elle always gets asked to be on podcasts. 
yeah only because of the books I think because of the books and because of the things I've done with Tommy's I've become kind of like a a frequent podcast (laughs) guest on the on the scene (laughs) as it were and you were asking me some advice about podcasts in general weren't you saying that you wanted to do something through the charity you wanted to do um like another free resource resource for for parents and then it just kind of I turned around and said well why didn't we do it yeah, like why don't why and you Jen being Jen was like absolutely no I do not want to get behind a microphone like, like you know and I was like no we can do it and I said let's ask Caro because we were we'd, we were going to Caro's house that yes. week or something and I was like let's when we see Caro let's ask her let's just say you know we're all mates anyway why don't we just and of course she was like saying yes before we'd even finished the yeah. sentence because you were like this is brilliant this is therapy for all of yeah. us so, does yeah. it feel like therapy massively yeah, yeah totally because there's our, our, all of us have very very different um stories and our you, you know how how we got to this point but obviously there's huge crossover in feeling mm-hmm. in what could have helped us we're like yeah people said this yeah oh actually someone said this to me and it was like who said the shittest thing which you know and, and yeah come on to, totally totally yeah. what to say what not to say and that's where the crossover is so even though the situations were very different yeah. there's so much crossover and yeah. it was hugely um yeah i felt therapized yeah. after every time i'm hooked well, up with these two there's threads and there's themes and there's mm. things that you all go oh my god yeah that i felt like that but also you all dealt with the losses in different ways yes. and that's and thing again, about grief everyone deals with it in yeah. different ways yeah but what's also amazing is that we all had different losses but we all lost our first baby boy mm. and the names it's oh yeah, yeah. you it's, 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 it's like, like so Freddy, boy Freddy, yeah, yeah, Freddy, Freddy, Freddy and Teddy Freddy, Eddie and Teddy yeah. so Freddy just, was Caro's son yeah Freddy's me Eddie was Jen's son and Teddy was Elle's son yeah yeah when we first met we clocked that really quickly we were like oh yeah, look, listen to us. You yeah. know, check out the names of our kids. Yeah, that kind of thing. So that was sort of um, already a, a thing. But there is so much crossover. There is so much. You know, Jen is bang on. Our losses are different, but actually, our feeling and the journeys we've taken from there um, are hugely similar. And you, it's that whole when I going back to Fred twenty years ago mm-hmm. is a very, very, very long time. Um, but and there was no resources at all, really. Sort of a bit of a pamphlet I was given to read that might help. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was a lot, which is fine, and, and you know, but not fine also. So I wanted there to be a resource when the girls spoke to me about it. I'm like, oh, what I wouldn't have done actually yeah. for this. Yeah. What I would not have done. I might have opened the blinds before a month was out. I might <laughs> yeah. have stopped wearing black. I might have spoken to someone. I might have actually felt, you know, I got a lot of... Now, listen, you know, we're going to see so-and-so today. Maybe don't mention Freddie because mm-hmm. you might make them feel uncomfortable. Um, you know, there was lots of that back then. Lots of don't make other people feel uncomfortable. And I think having a resource like this might make people feel a little bit like, actually, you know what? People need to be comfortable or uncomfortable with what I'm saying. It doesn't actually matter. Well, what you're doing, I think... If, if someone's on Instagram and they follow you guys and they or, or they've been through loss themselves, they might think that the conversation is happening all the time and that people are less uncomfortable than they would have mm. been. But it, I, I, and the, and it's better than it was, like you say. And it I love how I love how always references how long ago you lost your baby, like because you're so old. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, going back to what Cara just said about leaving the hospital twenty years ago with a leaflet, nothing much had changed by two thousand and sixteen. You know, Teddy died in, in May two thousand and sixteen, and as I left the neonatal unit without my son, I was given a a bundle of leaflets of this is how you might feel, this is how your family might feel, this is this, this is this. And, a, and some footprints and a lock of hair and off you go and, and actually even in those early days even if you're, you're given a leaflet that's full of really helpful information you're so, in such a day you're in such a day yeah, yeah, you yeah. don't even know yeah. what you're you're just yeah. like that goes to, it almost yeah. gets thrown away because you're just Reading, in such a day surely is just yeah not your that's at exactly you made a sentence you know I couldn't even figure out what's going on in my mind and I think we all said that didn't we that yeah. that was that was why we were so passionate about starting the pod was because what I did find easy in those early days was listening to other people or reading shorter posts on Instagram from people who had been through it. That was how Michelle and I initially connected because she was writing about Orla and I was thinking about writing about Teddy but didn't quite have the 
confidence, I guess, to do it because I didn't want to upset or offend anyone. Like Carrie said, like, don't say too much. Were you quite hungry for it? Were you to, to find writing or something to read or someone who'd been through it absolutely I I, because it's so isolating even though you read once it's happened to you you read the statistics and you know you're not the only one you know that you can see that you can see how many how many people are affected how many families it happens to every day but for some reason you still feel like the only one and then people start to come out of the woodwork and I know you were really lucky because you met Alice and she was one of your neighbours and Mm. Um, for me, a, a few people who were, you know, family, friends said, oh, you know, this had happened to such and such many years ago, or this had happened. But I wanted a closer connection. I guess I wanted to travel that journey with somebody who had been through it or was going through it. And I hope that with this, with our our podcast, we can we can be that for people who maybe can't find it online or can't find it in person we can be that thing that they can listen to when they're out on the walk or they're in the house on their own in the day because they're still on maternity leave and it will feel like they're talking to a friend because I would have really benefited from that. You talk about those first bits and I just wanted to talk about sort of three things so one was about in the hospital because you say you were about wanting to press pause that just like you said that you get given these leaflets you've got to make decisions about what you're going to do with the body and what you're going to do like just so much that someone who's completely traumatized can't possibly know what they want or what you might want in six months time or six years time well I think that's where um you are stronger together um you know my I had greens with me um for context, that's her husband. My husband now. He wasn't my husband then. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, that's my husband. The thing is, when you are about to give birth and it's your first baby, you are in a very vulnerable position. And actually, we were talking about this only yesterday. And knowledge is power. So a really, really great piece of advice would be to ensure that you and whoever is holding your hand during that vulnerable time is fully knowledgeable of as much as as possible um things like what we've been through is something that you can never prepare yourself for so because it's um you know it's 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 unfathomable you know it's just you just can't believe it's going to happen and that's most situations you might go how would we deal with this yeah you you can't do that then you're going to even think of something you're willing to consider the as thing well, is, I think because it's the worst isn't it it's where it none is of the us worst take yeah yeah, you, ever, ever. yeah yeah but also it's something that you really shouldn't have to prepare yourself for yeah. you mean I'm certainly not going to prep my kids really yeah I don't think so anyway you know but we it's one of those situations where you are given choices that you don't think you're going to have to make a lot of what what you're given are are just that, just choices. So you, it's not like you're like, well, I might have it this way and I might do it this way and I might, you are given limited choices. Mm -hmm. So whilst you do have to make them pretty swiftly, yeah, it's nothing, I don't know how else you would prepare yourself for that. Mm -hmm. So, and, and and a lot of the choices you are given might be cultural ones as well, well because for different a, a yeah. vicar, a vicar coming in and in hindsight you were like I didn't want a vicar. I didn't want a vicar. Well, actually, in the end, I said to mum, it was one of those situations because I'm not religious in any way, shape or form. I almost felt a little bit bad because <laughs> I was he's like, there to do his thing. Is his he's moment. there to do his job. And then yeah. I thought, well, hang on, yeah. just because I don't believe in God doesn't necessarily mean that I should. Um, project that choice onto my child what if my child grew up and wanted to believe in God you know so I was like okay well he can sort of be here and maybe we cover that base because that's I was you know I'm really I I, I raise my my children in a very sort of your choice these are your choices respect everybody else's choice but it is a choice and so in that moment it was one of those really weird things it is you're like uh what you know what are you doing here but he he sort of just hung around it was one of those very very (laughs) weird moments that I remember sort of it almost in a sort of blurred way and I remember saying to Greens you know who's that guy who's this guy who's this guy so those choices are weird I mean certainly in my situation um Freddie was put into the morgue and I know everybody deals with that in a very different way but I felt very strongly that I wanted to be near him all of the time yeah. so I used to sit in the reception mm. at the Chelsea and Westminster Hospital until they let me in every single day he was mm. there until we took him 
to be cremated. Mm. So I just couldn't, I didn't have anything else to do with my life. That was all my life. Yeah. That was all I had. And at home was just like bits of the nursery waiting yeah. in a bags up in a box. Yeah. So I didn't really want to do to be there. I just wanted to sit with all of his little belongings in reception and they literally just let me do that. There are loads of different pieces of this where you don't know how you're going to feel on any given day. And actually the choices that you have to make are almost sort of lined up in, in a really cruel way in front of you. It's like... A, B or C. There are, you are very limited to your choices at this stage. Also, I think we've talked about, or I think we talked about this on that particular episode of, of how we all chose Dealt different with, things yeah. and did different things, yeah. was that there's a, this incredible overwhelming feeling that you don't want to get it wrong. Yeah. Because what if you bury your child and then decide that that's not what you wanted because you weren't of, of sane mind? Which is impossible... Know? decision that can, right never exactly what if you and and i know that michelle and i've had this conversation before because we we both had um teddy and orla cremated and obviously they were born within a couple of weeks of each other so our although orla was still born and teddy died neonatally we both kind of made quite similar choices and and we both had this idea that we were going to scatter their their ashes and neither of us have um neither of us did and we had a long conversation about it one day i remember at her house and she said to me, and it was quite funny, it's quite dark humour, but I think you get used to oh, that. Well, you guys are good. <laughs> you get used to that. Yeah. And she said, I've just got this horrible vision that I'll be in a place and, and we'll be there and, and we'll go like that with the thing. And then she said, as they're going off into the wind, I'll be like, oh no, no, back, back, back. back. Like, back you know, track, scrabbling. Yeah, yeah. And she said, and you can't undo that. You can't. So you have to be, and I still have Teddy's ashes now. He would be, he would be seven in May and I, I still have them. And I'd always thought, well, you know, if, if we're ever lucky, to have, lucky enough to have another child, I know where they're going to go and that's when I'll do it. And that time has come and gone. And, and every time we go down to Cornwall to the house there, I take them with me and... And then I today's the day, and then not, I bottle yeah. it. Um, yeah, and it's but just, that sounds like you, a right thing to do. Yeah. Like you're not forcing yourself yeah. to do something that you might change your mind about. So in 50 right? years' time, you know, yeah. we have this conversation <laughs> yeah. again. I could but you be... see, that's I. I still have Freddie's ashes. I haven't mm. scattered them, mm. and I'm with you on that. Mm. This is where we see what I mean. The crossover is mm. so there. I'm like, no, I'm going to wait until we live in the house. We're going to retire to yeah. then that's it that's that's when I'll do it I look, I'm just putting it off aren't I but you know what I mean my point being when the time's right the time's right and there's lots of this this felt right at the time and when people go back and say god I really regret not doing this I really regret not doing it's this so it's so it is so hard but it's never a backward step you have to keep moving forward and it you was can't you it. can't change it. change it and already your situation is so sad and so it's like this bottomless pit of grief at times, which sounds yeah. really dramatic, but it does feel very hopeless. The very last thing I would want anyone to do listening to this would be like, oh, what am I going to do? Make that decision, make it together or make it with people that are supporting mm-hmm. you. And and it's live okay. It. It's yeah. Live yeah. by it. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay so, because the yeah. very last thing you want anyone to do is feel any more yeah. sadness or regret. Because yeah. Jen, yours was driven yes. more by religion. Religion, yeah. wasn't so it? So actually, so Chris is Catholic, but I'm Jewish. Mm-hmm. So in the Jewish tradition, and actually he, you know, we, we both agree to do this, that Eddie would have a burial. But there is a very um, formulaic way in in judaism and actually there's something quite comforting in this because you kind of don't have to think for yourself because it's all set out for you is that you are meant to bury within 24 hours and so there's it's not meant to be a long drawn out process so but what was really hard for us is that eddie died it was just over this bank holiday period Mm. in easter Mm. so you know you've got these sort of like the four day it was it was it just sort of it was awful because it kind of exasperated all our pain and grief because Eddie it meant that we couldn't get the burial done quickly and Eddie was actually in the royal free for a week mm. um, and we had my brother-in-law and Chris my husband went down to like St Pancras to try and just you know sort of you know went to the coroner's office tried to like get it through quickly and mm-hmm. get it ha- you know and they just there was they were very like computer says no it was awful um, but once we'd gone through that. It was there was something quite comforting in knowing what we were going to do. Mm, it was all mapped out. It was mm. all mapped out, mm. and then there's a period of mourning in Judaism called the it's called a shiver, 
where for seven days um, family and friends come to your house mm. every day mm. and it's, a, it's, it's, it's called the period of mourning and it's a really it's, they literally wrap you in cotton wool they come in they fill your fridges with bagels and so much food mm. um, and there was something quite nice knowing that that was going to happen without me having to do anything that was one of my things about in those initial um, that initial period because you each had quite different well Caro you wanted to draw the curtain well you yeah. did you oh, drew, I was so angry and so miserable <laughs> and have been ever since and you didn't want to see anyone and it was dark you yes. wanted that yes whereas you you had Jen you had family mm. which is much healthier well and they all built do a what Jen did yeah. I love the garden story tell the garden story the Jen garden <laughs> so we had lovely. just moved into our what was meant to be our family home yeah um we'd only been there for six weeks and the one area that hadn't been touched was the garden and it starts so my mother-in-law was like everyone feels they've got to do something yeah and they kind of you know a lot of people go into practical mode and my mother-in-law was like right I'm going to get the lawnmower and I'm going to just start mowing the grass and then Chris and my brother-in-law went into the garden they just started doing other things in the garden and then anyone who came to the garden just went everyone who came to the house went straight into the garden and just started like de you know weeding and pulling stuff out and clearing and and it just and my my sister affectionately called it the garden of hope because mm. the garden was just transformed into the most beautiful it was just amazing it was like it, it was this healing space for us and then we found a tree for eddie we planted a beautiful magnolia that blossoms around his anniversary in april mm. so it became really symbolic yeah. of a place for for, especially for the boys because boys sort of are much more action orientated in grief they feel that they've got to do something yeah. so it was like all the men went into the garden mm. most of the women just used to just sit there with me and cry and eat yeah. <laughs> but yeah. we did go in the garden as well but it was quite it was interesting to see that as well that reaction yeah but it was um yeah it became really symbolic yeah but i suppose everybody must be different i know ellen your book so ask me his name which we should mention which is an yeah, amazing book then you you I remember reading that you just the emptiness of the house yeah, felt really so quiet. stark even though that's what it had been yeah. prior to yeah. you going into the hospital yeah and I think so my parents were there when we said goodbye to Teddy and I just remember saying to my mum oh, please come home with us like please don't don't drive back down to Dorset like please come home with us <laughs> like I, I need you please come and obviously they were going to and so my parents came and stayed with us for a few nights and in that time my husband's parents came and my brothers and my um husband's sister and brother-in-law um and just it kind of we saw everyone in that week although I'm not Jewish and I'm not particularly religious it was just a I think it was just a thing that everybody felt that they needed that to, felt right, to be there for us yeah and then we got like a week in and I remember saying to my husband, I feel so claustrophobic. I need to leave. I need to go. And so we went down to Cornwall. And because I grew up near the sea, and for me, I kind of get this sense that unless I'm sitting on a beach staring at a horizon, I don't really feel like anything makes sense. I feel like, like that for me is the place that I need to go to just sit and stare and make sense of what the hell had just happened. And so that was what we did. We did that for four days. And just stayed in a little place that nobody could find us that was really quiet and I just needed after after being wrapped in all that love I just needed to go and sit and be quiet and work it out um not that you can not that you do but you that for me just just made more sense so I kind of guess I did a bit of both really Natural Mat are the sponsors of this series makers of organic beds and mattresses since 1999 it's a great fit for us, as anyone who follows me online will know that I bloom in love sleep. I wish I had more of it, and I bloom in love a nap as well. So at Natural Mat, all of the key materials they use in their beds and mattresses come from natural, sustainable, and renewable sources, even buying their organic wool from farms on their doorstep in the southwest. They make everything themselves by hand in their solar-powered Devon factory, and in 2020, their sustainability efforts were rewarded with a Queen's Award for Sustainable Development. They also recently launched their Mattress for Life initiative. So when your natural mattress reaches the end of its lifespan, you have three options, refurbish, recycle, or donate, ensuring a natural mat mattress never ends up in landfill. Don't Buy Her Flowers listeners can get 15% off their first natural mat order using the code DBHF15, either online or in their London, Devon, or Cotswold showroom. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. And with the feelings, you've, you like, so we've mentioned Caro's rage that you talk about just being so angry, but... <laughs> Jen, you'd I'm said, pretty horrible to everyone, actually. I can. I, I was I can miserable <laughs> to everybody. Horrible to my mother. Horrible to my husband. He wasn't even my husband at the time. I it was just horrible. And you said no to support. Didn't I you? had you said no to everyone and everything. Came. And then someone came and said, you know, do you want to? We've you know the child bereavement charity, who are an incredible source, mm-hmm. by the way, and we fully, uh, as ambassadors, support them. They're amazing. They're amazing. I was like. Has this person lost a baby? Mm. No. Well, how in heaven's name is that human going to help me? Because frankly, I'll just talk to the wall. Do you know what I mean? Because I don't need someone that's... I was so angry. And I didn't want anyone in my house. I didn't want anyone near me. I was so angry. And we lived in Southfield at the time, Wandsworth which is like, they call it Nappy Valley for a reason. Yeah. So I couldn't put my head out the window without hearing a baby crying yeah. or someone walking with a stroller yeah. or, the, or the buggy that we'd ordered yeah. or the, you know, the, the high street was a, a wash, no less, with small humans everywhere. Um, so I just thought I would sit in my pit of despair mm. and just feel really, do you know what? I didn't actually feel sorry for myself. I didn't go, woe is me. I didn't even say, why me, really? I did a little bit, but not massively. Mm. I was just a miserable, horrid, like a... Honestly, I was like a bomb waiting to go off. Do you think that was in part because 20 years ago people had even less of the language needed for you to even comprehend it? I was was almost banned from talking about it. Mm -hmm. Talking about Freddie, don't say his name, and... I love my family, mm. but they did not know what to say. When you start to have babies, mm. there's a reason for that. You're ready and therefore your friends are probably ready. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there had been five births within four months of me having it. I had pregnant friends. My sister had just had a baby. Uh, my mum, who is divine, a divine, did not know what to do with me. No. And didn't want me to talk about it to people because she didn't want them to feel uncomfortable. You know, she was born in 1942. You know, judgment was everywhere. Just had Carrie Ad Lloyd on the podcast and she talked about, she was amazing, but she she was saying about people think they can, well, with death, 
yeah. that people think they're going to catch it. Yes. But even more so because the idea of a baby dying or a child dying yeah. is like the, the worst thing that people horrifying. can imagine. And I used yeah. to joke at the beginning when I would talk to people, talk to my pregnant friends, you know, I'd say, look, um, it's not catching. And I would, and people would look at me mortified that I just said that out loud. <laughs> but but because that's it. always you been my sense it. of humour and I hadn't yeah, had, I hadn't had a personality transplant and I was trying to, trying to show them that that they could still say wildly inappropriate things in front of me and I wasn't gonna well, probably did you want them to say wildly and almost yeah. like I do something don't sit and look at and me and I can remember and I write about it and ask me his name where I kind of got hold of my friend's hand when she came to see my mum's house and I said please just talk to me like me I'm still me yeah. I remember looking at her and like begging her because yeah. she was being so weird and like yeah. tiptoeing around yeah. me and oh and trying to feel and we'd never been like that our relationship had been based entirely on taking the piss out of each other and she was not taking the piss out of me Do people you, are well-meaning yeah. we were talking about this last night I was, yeah. I was saying it's misplaced good intentions yeah. they're yeah. not like they're not bad people they just don't, don't know, know what, what to, to say do. yeah and in fairness to the people around me I was so horrible you'd be tiptoeing around me and I would yeah, yeah. I look back <laughs> I look back <laughs> I look Back. And I can see now why people were like, shit, terrifying don't go scare. in there. Yeah, yeah. I, I was terrifying. So <laughs> I think I think I can I can safely say I can I can understand how people. But we going back to what we were saying earlier about what not to say and what to say. Mm. I know that's sort of coming up, but back in the day yeah. in um, 02 I had mountains of there'll be more babies at least you can get pregnant at least you can get pregnant I had a lot of life goes on a lot I'm like oh shit does it life things goes on does it things happen for a reason that was the worst I've written those things down the stupid things that you, you that come up quite my, a bit yeah. I, I, everything I, happens for a yeah. reason oh. my auntie's sister's cousin in 1972 yeah. had a friend that had a and I'm like Mm-hmm. Are you? Are we done, or are you going to keep going? And the thing is, it, it is well into, it, as humans, you want to relate, yeah. don't you? Yeah, so you yeah. always want to go. Oh, yeah. I, I know yeah. how you feel, or I can imagine how you feel. But actually, if someone hasn't been through it, they can't. So what? But what could they say that would be? I can't imagine nothing? what you're going through. Yeah. I don't want to sit here in silence, but I want to say to you that I acknowledge Freddie, I acknowledge Eddie, I acknowledge Teddy, mm. and I, I don't know what to say to you. I can't imagine how it must be feeling, but I want. I want to help you. Mm-hmm. If you need me and I can help you, let me bring some plates of lasagna. Let me bring some food. Can I can I do the garden? Can I what can yeah. I do? Also, do you want to talk about him? I think yeah. the other thing you know, is when people yeah. say, Oh, let us know, let us know if we can do anything. But but I can te- I can tell you that I'm never gonna let you know. I didn't I didn't no, reach out no. to any of my friends and say, Please can you do this? Please no, can you come and so see no. me? Please Isn't can you it yeah. funny that that because that was Carrie's one thing not to say and it's almost the more we're talking about the more I was thinking it pacifies the person saying that doesn't it because they think well I asked if I could do anything because they're scared of this thing and they don't know how to speak to you so it's like let me know if I can do anything oh well I did offer I offered now I can go and get on with my life you see I think I could say to someone if there was a podcast that was helpful I which whether it be this one or another one that I would go, I'm not going to ever ask you for help, but I am really grateful for you, A, validating his name, which is, I think we need to give credit yeah. to Elle here, yeah. because yeah. I have met people going uh, to different, whatever, events or whatever, and people have said to me, which is another weird question, by the way, if we put it out there, oh, have you got any kids? Don't ask people that. It's just uh, don't ask people if they've got kids. Mm. I always say, I don't know why we feel the need as humans that we should, is that a, you know, and I do have children, I'm really, really lucky, and I always say, uh, I've got three children, we had a baby, Freddie, um, as well, and, or we had another baby who, who sadly died, and I remember at the time someone saying to me, and this must have been about, your book won't have been long out, actually, and she said, I'm so sorry, what was his name? And I went, oh, mm. oh, his name was Freddie, mm. and she goes, I've read Elle's book, and I was like, that's so lovely. Yeah. And I know it's unusual and it is unusual. I don't think 20 years ago, I don't think before that book actually, mm. anyone really would have done that. And I think that is really, really lovely. Because it's a continuation of the conversation. Yes. It's not, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Because that, I think that was the thing for me. And it asked me his name almost didn't get called, asked me his name. I think we just came up with that in a brainstorming meeting one day and it was like a light bulb. It was all those conversations that I had thereafter with so many different people 
and you know you would say they'd say do you have any children and I'm like well I'm just sitting in a hairdressing chair getting my hair done and oh I just don't know what to say in this moment and so I would choose whether to say yes or no and sometimes if I said yes and then they'd just say oh god I'm so sorry or or, or they change the subject completely and I think ask me his name was kind of a culmination of all those feelings that I had during all those conversations where I was like how can we carry it on? How can we make it normal? Because if my, so for example, my daughter now who's here and she's two and a half, if I tell someone I have a two and a half year old daughter, they say, oh, what's her name? Like, like really yeah. normal or, yeah. you know, what what's she like or where is she today or who's looking after her? And so, yeah, that was kind of the point of it really. It's, a, it's equally a really odd question. I think, I don't know whether, I don't know what different cultures and societies are like in different parts of the world, mm. but I find the British one is like, are you married check mm. Mm. do you have children check and what is it about you know, the, about the brits that you know again with grief it's like they say well i didn't want to mention his name so i didn't want to upset you yeah yeah and it's like as if we'd just forgotten yeah and, oh, you, I'm yeah, okay. that. <laughs> you and now you've just mentioned yeah. my baby's name yeah i'm, I'm breaking I'm, down yes. Yes. yes what is it about that as well yeah it's the weirdest thing isn't it like we you know people don't want to say anything because they don't want to upset us i don't think people do because they don't want to upset the person i think they just don't feel uncomfortable yeah, people it. this society is obsessed with not feeling everyone must be comfortable everyone okay is everyone okay everyone comfortable everyone okay yeah. no one mentioned the elephant in the room everyone okay everyone okay i am desperate to bring some discomfort to people People because then we're comfortable with it. So listen to the podcast, folks. Like, isn't it? Like, what a great advert. I think you have to. You have to. It, but it's I'll like all the things. But the things that we didn't talk about for years and years and years, like all of this stuff. Like you hear about people who, or someone say, "Oh yeah, my grandma lost a baby, but no one ever mentioned no. it." Or my mum lost a baby, and no one ever mentioned it. Yeah. Well, I've had so many women write to me, even not that long ago. You know, in in kind of. I'm talking 50, 60 years ago, they'd lost babies and they've read Ask Me His Name and they've contacted me via email or uh, one of their children has contacted me to say, just to let you know, my mum's read your book. And I remember one lady contacted me and it was she was telling me about her mother who'd lost her sister who would have been in her 50s. Um, and she'd never known, she'd never been able to see her, she'd never been able to hold her and she'd been taken to um, a cemetery which she didn't know where that was in an unmarked grave or marked you know very sort of inconspicuously mm. somewhere mm. in north london um and they they contacted the hospital trust and they found out where she was and they went and they've then her mum went really to the grave story. and they know now they go to the grave and it's been marked and they've had a proper cross made for her and all of these things and she said it was something my mum never felt like she had the confidence to do because she was always told don't talk about it and made to feel like she shouldn't but so do you it. think, what is that? Because you, you all talk about guilt, um, which I definitely want to talk about, mm. cause, and it feels so cruel that guilt and shame and those feelings are things that, on top of all this other bullshit, you've mm. got to deal with. But the, but the thing with guilt and shame is like that makes you more um, isolated, right? I think Brené Brown always talks about like yeah. when, you, when, you're go- when you have guilt and shame and you can't be vulnerable you're isolating yourself even further which for someone going through this feels so cruel but I don't know if any of you can talk about that well from my point of view I felt only guilt anger obviously but also guilt because Freddie was born early because my body failed him Mm. you know I have an incompetent cervix I cannot carry a baby to term Mm. without uh, assistance uh, without a suture without a stitch and you only know this if in this country for example we don't scan for it in other countries they do this is part of the project actually you only know when it happens correct uh, or if you're a non you're very lucky and you have a um specialist that uh scans your cervix which is really 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 unusual here it's not it happens in some european countries but it, it doesn't happen here we are trying to sort of fund a, a project at the moment that will that will do that. When I say we, I mean a charity that I work with. But um, so for me, the guilt was ex- was just, it was entire, you know, m- m- my husband's grief, my grief was entirely because my body could not um, hold him in. He do you was think it was the guilt healthy. that then made you feel angry? I think it definitely added to it. Because I find yeah. like the two... I hated myself. It has to come out somewhere, right? And you don't want to sit there just self-loathing. Yeah. So it comes yeah. out in an action, which is... I was yeah. so disgusted with myself. I was like, this is 
all women can do this because I just honestly haven't read anything. I know yeah, all women yeah. can't, by the way, and I don't mean that in a in a no. uh, in an unkind or, or triggering a triggering comment. But I honestly was like, this is just me. This is just me. It's disgusting. I'm I am part, worthless. Yeah, and do you think part of the problem with the support at that time is that you were you weren't didn't getting enough, any different? Well, you weren't getting enough people saying to you, Carrot, it's not your fault. Yeah. Well, yeah. also we didn't and know you why. That reassurance. So well, after he was born, we had the most appalling care, mm. um, uh, and I—that's nothing to do with the person that then helped me have my other three children. But when we saw the person that was in charge of the hospital we were at at the time, he said to me. Uh, that um, he doesn't work there now, uh, that I should just go and get pregnant, forget about it. Because uh, we don't really know what it is. And until you've lost at least three children, we won't even mm. scan the cervix. So it was, and that doesn't really happen now, by the way, and he's now retired. Yeah, um, but it was one of those situations where I thought, right, knowledge, knowledge, knowledge. And I read and I read and I read and I read. Because even weird things like, and this is going to sound really funny, you know, at the same time, it, trying to get on Google or any sort of computers, you still heard it like, wind up. It's like back in dinosaur era. Mm. So it wasn't that helpful. So I used to used to try and, I'd order all these weird books from these weird little places in America, places like that. And I've still got them somewhere. Uh, honestly, they're like limited edition. What Finding out what they used to do to what they call, um, so when you start to contract, I contract quite early because of the issues I have with my cervix. And back in the day, they used to, give women a lot of alcohol because alcohol settles and so literally that's what years ago that's what they did that's what they did things like that and I remember thinking at the time you know god I wish they'd given me some alcohol you know it's just and it is you do so for me my guilt might have been or if I don't know if anyone else resonates with the guilt for me the guilt was was I was dripping in it because it was entirely you know I looked over in the corner at Will who was in absolute hell in pieces and I was like that's on me that's on me because it was all me and we only found out that my cervix was incompetent when I was pregnant for a second time that's when we found out they're like you have to carry on as normal that this pregnancy is normal I had a different gynecologist then thank heavens and he said but I'm going to keep scanning you I'm going to keep scanning you and I'm going to look after you but the cervix moves it can move within an hour. Mm. We're going to scan you once a week, and if we're lucky, we'll see it. Mm. That's you know, it can move ten minutes after you've checked it. Mm. So we just had to get lucky. So we didn't know. But I think the guilt thing is a really great question. Well, yeah, it's a great question. I just hadn't really yeah. thought yeah, about it, and then when you all mentioned it, it did. And yeah. also, I think it gets comes up in quite a few of the episodes. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, and it's different, and it's different reasons. So Carrie's yeah, different reasons were different for me. For me, it was I think because with SIDS by its definition is a diagnosis of exclusion mm-hmm. so doctors cannot tell you why because Eddie seem- was three he was three, three months. months old you yeah. know a seemingly healthy baby boy mm. and when a doctor can't tell you why you know why did Eddie die you automatically look inward and say well it must have been something that I did because mm. I'm his mummy and I was with him 24-7 so who else's fault was it it's, it must have God. been me yeah. and so I still grapple with that to this day yeah. um, and that's been a lot and I you know I have a lot of therapy about it yeah. and you know I, I'm better with it now but it's there's always going to be something in me that will wonder what you know was it something I did um, but that was also such a big driving force for us when we set up Teddy's Wish because I was like we can't just accept mm. this as it's just one of those things. One of those things. Yeah. It just you just cannot. Well, and all of you have taken your experiences and do, and you're doing actively doing positive things. Whether you're raising money, or you've got a charity, or your patrons, or like all of that stuff. And do you think? I guess is that an association with the guilt? Is that almost a driver? I think it's just wanting no one else to feel that way. Mm, yeah. I don't know about you girls, but you know, if you think about early birth or stillbirth there's an element of guilt because you feel like your body has failed that baby neonatal death or or SIDS there's something you feel like you could have done in those days weeks months what did you do wrong how did you fail that child as a mother or a parent that that ended in that result and I think once you felt those feelings of guilt that turn into sadness or poor old me or why me or I'm really fucking angry at the world I think you feel like, you, or certainly the driving force behind me starting writing the blog, which then turned into the books, was 
do you know what? I never want anyone else to grapple with these feelings in the way that I have. And I never want anyone else to lie awake at night feeling that level of guilt. And not having that, not having anyone else's voice or experience, which you all felt. And I was really lucky because we got a diagnosis with Teddy. You know, it took five months but we did get an answer as to why he died he was born with something that was a metabolic condition that was not hereditary so it was nothing that my husband and I carried it was a lightning strikes one of those things time of conception he was he was born with something that was never going to be compatible with life so I kind of got something that Jen didn't get which was a a closure a reason a reason I got this is why it happened he was never going to be able to live with that thing. It was nothing you did. We can't tell you why it happened, which is another thing that you question forever and ever. But it, I got that answer, which I think some ways that's what the human brain craves. We crave a, a reason, an answer, something that we can start. start a middle and a conclusion. Yeah. yeah. There's yeah. a story. And for me, it kind of closed the door on that five months of beating myself up consistently that I had done something in pregnancy or in that first time after he'd been birthed before he stopped breathing I'd done something wrong and it doesn't make it easier but it gives you an answer does that make sense it makes perfect sense actually and also at this stage I think it's important to mention that if anyone is listening to this and they are supporting someone that is feeling guilty about the loss of their baby Mm. One of the least helpful things that you can do, which is what I think all parents do, and my mum certainly did, um, through no fault of her own, is go, no, 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 it's not your fault. Because actually, I don't, I didn't need validation, and I'm sure neither did Elle or Jen need validation of that guilt. You needed to but express it. I needed to express it without someone trying to fix it, mm, yeah. without someone going, no, 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 no. Well, it was okay. more important for someone to say to me, I'm really sad that you feel that way and I yeah. wish I I wish I could stop that, but I know that I can't do that. But also I suppose it's, if you can express it, then you can start to go, right, this is how I feel. Yeah, so you, you understand and then you can look yeah. at how do yeah. I get rid of that yeah. feeling or what's but, the therapy. But saying don't feel guilty to someone. Yeah, it's it's like saying because then you might secretly quash don't. that you feel that guilt, yeah. right? and then you're not going to be able to help fix it. So that's well, you then start to feel guilty again because I'm like, I can't even say that I feel guilty. <laughs> Do you know what you mean? Like, it's isolation. Like, yeah. I think yeah. it feels like a really fundamental. Like, again, the opposite of what you guys are doing by trying to share stories and involving other people, because that isolation is just not good for anybody, yeah. and then you can't come to a resolution on your own no but also I think so just on like the knowing the not knowing I think in all in all cases it it doesn't change the outcome Mm. nothing's going to bring our boys back and I think for all of us and I hope you know I think I'm speaking on behalf of all of us Mm. that what we're doing is that it's not going to bring our boys back but it's you know it's our hope is that it's going to help others Mm. and that's fundamentally Mm. what I you know I did with with Teddy. Well, I'm doing with Teddy's wishes that it's not going to bring Eddie back, but if we can help others, mm. then at least for me it feels like that you know I'm doing mm. something, and also we're doing something for our boys. Yeah, yeah. We all work within bodies of research as well, so all of us work and do charity stuff for. And I'm not saying it to be like all of us work within, but it's yeah, more of a good, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, yeah, we're just we're polishing good people. My head. Just polishing <laughs> <my> head. <laughs> this, this, this is this is part of it (laughs) saying to people listening to this maybe try supporting this way Mm. and other people listening might go oh god that's no one is going to listen to this podcast Mm. and go I feel exactly like Jen I feel exactly like Elle I feel exactly like Caro Mm. but what they'll do is get little pockets and go that's me that's that's not me that's me I recognize that that. all that feels better I can feel better about that but also so this is what we're here for here but for me uh, and for Greens and, and for the girls as well, we felt strongly that we wanted to do a lot of research as well and prevent mm. early birth and research. You know, So I would like to think that Freddie and Eddie and Teddy, who have made an, you know, a huge mark on this world, mm. having not been here for that long, mm. in that we could they their their names will be little names that big little boys but big names that have helped prevent someone going through it scientifically speaking mm. and helped people that sadly are going through it and those supporting them and mm. i just think that that's 
an incredible legacy for them as well. Yeah, and that's... we're here for support in the now. Yeah. But I like to think that through the, the the support and the work that we all done do and lending our voice to charities like Tommy's and mm. and Jen doing everything that she does with Teddy Wish, Teddy's Wish, that you know we will get to a point when our children have children in the future mm. that the chance of that yeah. happening to them yeah. is so slim that it is almost unheard of that's what I would like that's my aim because you know we can support the people for which the worst has already happened which is you know why what we will continue to do and why we continue to talk but if we can stop it happening and do for more families that's that's when we've really made an indelible mark yeah Yeah. Yeah. that's where the science comes in and just on the you mentioned like friendships and and everybody around you being in that phase when you're having babies and there was something that Elle said actually about that was the uh, well two things you said about protecting your own heart and not putting yourself in that situation and being able to say no I'm not coming to that christening mm. I'm not coming to that family wedding whatever it is and you just said you have had to learn that that's not selfish and I feel like that's a really good message because I can imagine people again because of all the emotions that are going on and whether that is guilt or shame or not being able to talk about it mm. putting themselves in those awful scenarios which just make yeah. them feel te- more bad yeah. i got invited to a baby shower eight weeks after oh, oh, um, what's wrong with people what's wrong with you people <laughs> and but i know why they invited me because, it would be weird because if they hadn't invited me uh, I didn't yeah. in the age of social media that we live in oh yeah. you know I'm a pariah everyone thinks their baby's gonna yeah. die now it's all catching you know but you talk about Becky yeah and so this is your this is your husband's best, best friend's wife, wife. <laughs> Becky's getting a lot of airtime. she's gonna love me for this. <laughs> I loved it because basically she's inviting you to stuff and you haven't seen very much of her and yeah. then she just turned and said to you I'm going to keep inviting you because I love you and one day you might say yes I know and I every time anyone repeats that sentence back to me it makes me want to cry because yeah. I cried in the moment when she said it because I was like oh fucking finally someone gets it I just wanted to grab her and be like yeah do you know what I might say yes I might say no consistently for the next two years but one day I might say yes and when I come I'm gonna be really good fun like do you know what I mean I was gonna yeah and it's just I think that's the thing is going back to what you said about how can you support someone because sometimes support ends begins and ends in those first weeks and people go back to leading their normal lives and I think the friends for me that really got it and even continue to get it now they 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 know that there are things that are going to always be hard for us or you know there are things that we still might not want to come to and it's yeah it's just people like that who just yeah they remember the dates they you know and that's really that's that means a lot that mean even just a message or something it just it means a lot and I think that support is continued like it's not just uh in those first months when you're so in the depths of it all I don't think old friends as well sometimes always do know what to say I found that people that I've met um in the last few years um, certainly these girls have been with the greatest respect my oldest friends mm. um, they just didn't know what to do is that because so, they worry about the because the other you talk about identity is it because they've they got you were a certain person and they maybe I mean I, it's gonna I change you. was not very well I look back now and I normalised a lot of really bad shit mm. <laughs> so I mean like I used to take at, at Freddie's funeral we got everyone to sign a book and the thing that I, he had little mittens on when he mm. was born and I took those mittens but everything else stayed on him and I used to carry the mittens with me everywhere and take this book everywhere with me so I would go to people's houses like months afterwards with it like I was bringing him and I'd say in the morning right we're mm. gonna go I mean it's terrifying actually looking back uh, but it was a coping it, mechanism that you, I don't know. I'd be. I remember my mum here. Yeah, there were lots of conversations. Like something yeah, hush conversations. Yeah, lots there of that. She is with the book again. Yeah, <laughs> she is downstairs. <laughs> and, uh, Do you she, not think she wouldn't let me leave the house? But that's something that is quite stark. That idea that you, the identity of a, being a mother, and you've gone through pregnancy yeah. and then the baby isn't there. Well, I had three months with Eddie. Yeah, yeah, so, so I mean, long. that was just so hard because I felt like. One minute I was a mummy, and then I said this on our on another episode that everything then became past tense. Mm. So you know I was you know I was a mummy. We were parents. We had the buggy. We had everything, and then it just all you know everything went in in just a split second. So and knowing who you life, are and your 
That's and that, so hard. It was so, and also I had had the, you know, and, and I had the experience of being with other mummies and their yeah. babies yeah. and doing, you know, so and three doing months all, in, is, you know, is and a, three months, yeah. you know, is that it's really considerable hard. amount. It's you didn't have to imagine anything. That was your yeah. life, and you kind yeah. of hit this point when you hit three months. It's like it's a sort of turning point, isn't it? Mm. You sort of like you really sort of enjoy it in a different way from motherhood. You know, when you're especially when it's your first, it's like everything's very like overwhelming and really hard. The sleepless nights, you're sort of starting to see the light a little bit aren't you and um so I had all of that mm. and then it, and I felt like it had just all been taken away mm. and I felt like you know Carrie talks a lot about anger like I was very angry at the unjustness of the world like mm. everything felt so unfair like and there was a lot of why us why me where Chris was actually a bit more pragmatic he sort of saw it as this like this spinning wheel and we just got fucking unlucky yeah, and it just yeah. landed on us and we didn't do anything wrong it was just you know life does not discriminate yeah that sounds like a more male yeah he was great and i was just like life is fucking unfair like what and and i and i always described it as we were sort of like seeing our old life through this glass window and like everyone else was on the other side of Mm. the tracks and they were carrying on with their everyday life and they had their lovely babies and everything was wonderful and everyone was healthy and lovely. And they're still going to Jungle Gym. Oh yeah, and they're yeah, still doing all of yeah, that, going yeah. soft play, which yeah. I fucking hated anyway. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> you know, doing all of that stuff and we were on this other side and I could just sort of, it was like knocking on this glass mm-hmm. and wanting to get through and be, you know, be back in my old life. Mm-hmm. But I was in this new life now and everything had changed. And it was, how am I now going to find meaning in my life to carry on? And that was, yeah, my darkest moment was like, I just, and I think a lot of bereaved mums feel this way. They just don't want to carry on. And it's like, how do we get up again? And how do we find meaning again in life? And that's a, that is a journey. It's sort of, that takes time, I think. And, and I'd say probably my sort of advice for people who are in their early stages of grief, you know, we're talking about the do's and don'ts, but is to give, you have to give yourself time. Mm. Time is so important in grief. Um... So. I know they say time is a healer as well. I'm not I'm not so much a healer, no. but I think it's Will it, you talk about moving forward and not moving on? I think it's because I don't I don't want to move on from no. Teddy. I don't want to move on it's it's bad enough that I have to leave him in the past because you know, time time doesn't heal, you just get like Janelle said last night when you just get further away from it, it just becomes that pain is further away in in the past. But then also that person who you loved who you want to be here is further away in the past Mm. so you kind of have to find a way to take them with you into the present in what you're doing or how you remember them and and start to recognize yourself in that new identity because that for me I didn't recognize where I sat because I'd gone through this journey of being pregnant having a baby expecting to leave the hospital with that baby and I didn't and I just remember looking in the mirror and it sounds, and I've wrote about it, I think in, in Ask Me His Name and, and the second book, I didn't recognise who I was. I didn't, I didn't really know where I sat in society because I was like, okay, well, I've got this time off work, which I'm going to use because I can't go back because I can't even think about facing everybody in my old yeah. job. Um, and I just, I didn't recognise who I was. I'd look in the mirror and I'd just be like, what, I'd like, what the hell? Well, also you've had the pregnancy of like getting your head around that yeah. I'm going to be a mum and that's becoming and, and that is a big part of anyone's identity isn't it or if you have a baby it's being mum yeah that's completely turned on its head so it's just so and difficult. your body is doing all those things yeah. so you know bleeding milk all of that stuff and so the first two weeks for me were a complete write-off and then after that when you know the noise quietens and people start to go back to work my husband had to go back to work and mm. I was like okay well what what am I now where do I fit what do I do and I guess that is probably when I turned to just writing everything down so that I didn't go completely and utterly mad because like Carol I didn't want to talk to anyone um unless they'd experienced loss themselves I didn't want to talk to anyone. I thought you remember thinking, well, why would I tell you? I wouldn't tell you anything that I won't tell my mum or my, one of my best mates. So that's pointless. I might as well, you know, just talk to myself or write it all down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you, you've mentioned relationships, but um, there, you talk about there's a leaflet that you get handed that says that more than 50% of marriages end after baby loss. Oh, yeah, that's, just... a, that's a cheerful leaflet. That was <laughs> yeah. one of the, exactly what you need. That was one of the things that I left the hospital with, I think, in the in the collection of, <laughs> of sections of leaflets. There was a section for family and friends and health support section, this section for that section on relationships that tells you <laughs> your baby's just died now your marriage is going to end um it's not the greatest stat but sa- i mean sadly we laugh about it 
that is the harsh reality. And it all does put pressure what, what on do you, do you. What do you think that is? It's such a seismic shift in everything that you've ever ever known anything that you recognize the world around you becomes unrecognizable yeah. And but yeah and i think also men and women do grieve differently so differently they, they grieve we, we, we did a whole in episode. general we, we in general they definitely yeah. do we spoke a lot about this mm. um you know men are so healthy grieving is the mm. balance between action orientated grief and the emotional Emotion, and the feeling yeah. and, yeah. and healthy is having the balance of both but if you're doing too much of one and not the other it can be unhealthy and yeah. i think men sort of tend to sort of fall into the action which is do 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 we've got yeah. to do something and women tend to be more emotional um and so i think and, as, and especially back in the olden days women were seen as the chief grievers so the support they would get would be um you know the counselor would go and see the mum as the chief griever right. and the dad wasn't really involved yeah. and actually one of he's the things back at work yeah and... he's back at work and and they were sort of seen and, and their sort of grief was seen as less important but actually their grief is, is, is of equal importance. Mm. And one of the things that we do like with the counselling at Teddy's Wish is that the counsellors, if they are in a relationship, we really encourage to, you know, the sessions to be with the partners, so the husbands and wives or partners. I was going to say, if the, if the stat is the 50% and you can kind of start to understand why, yeah. what's the one thing that maybe, or what's the thing that perhaps the couples that do survive it have in common or is there something that they do they talk i think talking. they're talking talking, talking. i think Understa- it's talking yeah. and understanding yeah. that that other person might not be dealing no with it um, in the same way that you are but... and we might be feeling things at different times so i you know one of the things that chris and i said to each other was that we would pick each other up when the other was down mm. and you know some days i'd be feeling worse than he would and, and it was our roles was just to lift each other and and be there for each other and and it and accept that we were going to deal with this very differently but each of our feelings were valid and you know you know and that's and that's and, and we just spoke and we just constantly had that line of communication we never sort of shut down on each other mm. and actually weirdly i think chris and i became closer because yeah, of, oh, yeah, I think we did. Yeah, we never wanted closer. to lose Eddie to become yeah. closer, but we def- we definitely Maybe became the closer. It is bonding. It is it's hugely bonding. It was for I, us. Yeah. I think I now feel that there is nothing that I could say to Nico that is too ludicrous or too like. There's never a thing that I like seven eight years ago me would have maybe kept to myself because i'd think oh no he's gonna think i'm worrying about nothing whereas now i feel that because he's seen me at my most vulnerable and, and vice versa i can just say exactly how i'm thinking and feeling and he won't go oh god you know he he he'll just be like right okay let's talk about it and i think we've been exactly the same it's just if anything it's just drawn us closer and closer which is a nice a really safe place in which to exist Mm -hmm. because you both understand what that bubble of grief has felt like and grieving can be separate and still bonding and i wonder if for those that sadly don't um end up separating and I, there's no judgment at all on that that's a very personal thing um perhaps that's not what what they their their grief is is too separating yeah so you know maybe that's right but it is it can be a bonding thing it can be a bonding thing i have taken up a lot of your time so we're gonna yeah. have to wrap it up but yeah. i i want to just say if anyone is if there's anything that these ladies have said the, the, at the moment, there's like five or six. We're not sure. And <laughs> 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 these, these guys are right. But, I'm, my stats are terrible. <laughs> but there's a new series coming as well, and yeah. I think it just. But as as a human, I think it's something that people should listen to because there, you will come into contact with people if you've not been through it yourself who have, and it just might help you be a better friend or mm. partner or sibling or. Um, but I suppose the final question is, what is the one thing you would say to someone supporting someone through baby loss? Don't fix what can't be fixed. Okay. Because the only thing you want back can't be brought back. And the only thing we want is our babies. So don't try and fix, fix us. Mm. Okay, that's Jen. L. I would say... It's always difficult giving advice because everyone's so different and everyone's reactions say so mm. different. I guess I would say don't don't be afraid to to talk about that child in an in a normal way you know I, I love the fact that my friends say oh when you were pregnant with Teddy like they don't flinch at it it's it's a part of he is a part of conversation and it's natural and it's normal and even if that does 
kind of jerk you a little bit first and it feels a little bit uncomfortable it will start to feel normal eventually and trust me that your friends will really value you for doing that and they'll be really thankful that you know you were able to to make it feel more normal for them and make them feel less it's so interesting that that idea you have basically yeah you've got to get uncomfortable Mm. this will be an uncomfortable scenario there's no there's no two ways it'll feel weird at first yeah 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 yeah. but the more you do it then it becomes yeah it will become and that's exactly what i would underline normalize and validate Mm. um don't ever say to someone that's a really that's a big statement every all their feelings are valid. Yeah. So validate them, normalize the uncomfortable. Mm. Um, this isn't about your feeling as a support group. You're the backing singers. Mm. So you just have to listen to the lead singer here. And unfortunately the lead singer is going through a terrible time. So you've got to normalize that terrible and mm. feel comfortable in the uncomfortable. And that's something that as a society in the whole, we are terrible at, but you as a support group of that human can be really good at it and they will never ever forget that. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so Thank much. You. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much to Jen, Caro and Elle for being brilliantly open and also for everything they're doing and the energy they put into their work, which must at times be really draining, but hopefully offers real hope to lots of women um, and just comfort. There were lots of parallels with things that Carrie Ad Lloyd said in the previous episode as well. So if you haven't listened to that, do go back and listen. I had a message from Rachel on Instagram to say both her parents had died recently a year apart. And she said, I found it really comforting to know that what I have felt and am feeling is normal. So thank you to Carrie Ad for that and to Rachel for messaging me. It's always really good to hear from people. And if you've been listening to episodes and enjoying them, please go and give us a rate and review. Thanks also to Natural Map for sponsoring this series. There's more information in the notes on them and the discount and we're back in two weeks if you subscribe you'll get a notification when the next episode goes live and i hope you're all okay we have almost made it to the end of january so brighter days are coming hey it's danny pellegrino from everything iconic ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high end brands. And the best part, they're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.